all you positive heads out there. Thanks for tuning your beautiful brainwaves into another episode of the Positive Head Podcast, which I'm excited to say we are now airing five days a week. Once a week, you can still hear an interview with a different consciousness change maker that is out there working tirelessly to help catalyze change and expand awareness across Spaceship Earth. But now, also, in addition to the weekly interview, on the other four weekdays, you can tune in to myself and my co-host, Dalian, giving interpretations of our favorite thought-provoking quotes, sharing a bit of inspiring or mysterious news, taking questions from the audience, and digging into any other mind-expansive topics we deem worthy of discussion. Today's episode is sponsored by Procabulary.org. Procabulary offers a brilliant new online uh, language course that I just recently completed myself called Core Language Upgrade. The course material is designed to help you analyze the way you use your words and language to create your reality. I personally believe the words you choose to speak or write out is referred to as spelling for a very good reason. You're literally casting an energetic spell every time you open your mouth, which means it's of the utmost importance that you have a foundational understanding about the power or lack of power that the words you're choosing to use conjures up. I strongly believe language mastery is a highly important skill set that way too few people have taken it upon themselves to become educated on. And what Procabulary does is actually provides you with an incredibly easy-to-follow roadmap that only takes about 10 minutes a day spanned over 21 days to complete, which shows you how to go about changing your language patterns so that you can start getting better results in every aspect of your life. Now, as a Positive Head Podcast listener, if you decide to go to Procabulary.org and purchase the Core Language Upgrade course, you'll get 33% off if you use the promo code POSITIVEHEAD, all one word, on the checkout page. The retail price for Core Language Upgrade is normally $299, and I'd say it's really worth every penny of that, but it's especially worth it after your 33% positive head discount because it drops the price to $199. That's a crazy good deal that I had to do some serious convincing to get the guys at Procabulary to give to our listeners, so I really hope some of you will take advantage of it while it lasts. Also, if you need more convincing about the power of Procabulary, Check out Positive Head Podcast number 20, where I actually interview Procabulary co-founder Mark England, and we discuss language mastery in great detail. All right, all you Positive Heads, welcome to another daily podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Beecham. I've got my co-host, Dalian the Alien, sitting across from me. Hello, Dalian. Welcome to today's episode. Hi, thanks for having me again for another uh, rousing discussion. On, oh, rousing. Uh, you, did, you know you didn't greet in any foreign language today. What's going on? No, I uh, thought I would, uh, I, I don't know, I can I can come up with one. Let's see. Yeah, um, I mean, you excited me the other day when you, you threatened me with some Tolkien talk. <laughs> I know, huh? Here I was only just yesterday talking about all the <laughs> infinite he, greetings that I could give you, and today I'm like, oh. Yeah, that was a real letdown. <laughs> I'll just have to uh, make it really, really good next time. Yeah, exactly, exactly. We'll look forward to that. So what's going on in your world today? Anything exciting to report? Uh, well, I've got a story that I, I will be talking about a little bit, but I was going to give you my clever um, answer to your question that you love to ask your guests, what's the meaning of life in under um, 60 seconds? Ah, okay. I can give you the answer in under one second. Oh, wow. I, I just gave it to you. You want me to give it to you again? Yes. I just did. That's the meaning of life right there. The meaning of life is? The meaning of life is, there it is. Oh. That was it. Wow. It's got no meaning. You give it its meaning. Ah, wow, wow. He's really, he came out swinging today, folks. (laughs) Uh, Oh, yeah. (laughs) 
Uh, we shouldn't go too much deeper into that deep end of the... Uh, yeah, we might as well end this podcast here today, right right now, the shortest podcast ever. I mean, you just blew everyone's minds. <laughs> oh, it's going to be a minimalist... <laughs> minimalist Tuesdays. <Zen> podcast. <laughs> so what do you got for some mysterious news of the day? And now for the mysterious news of the day. All right, let's dive right in. I've got an article here from, uh, came out a couple days ago on this website, Earth We Are One. Okay. The URL is E-W-A-O. Uh-huh. And it's a story that's actually been reported in a few other um, media, but um, it's a pretty exciting scientific discovery. Uh, A team from the University of Sheffield and the Center for Astrobiology at the University of Buckingham in the UK they sent a balloon up into the stratosphere to collect samples. I guess this is just something they do, you know, on a mm-hmm. more or less routine basis. So one of the samples that the balloon came back with, they're calling the dragon particle. It's a really <clears throat> tiny uh, thing. It's 10 micrometers big or, you know, long, mm-hmm. which makes it essentially microscopic. But it's remarkable because it's uh, they're hailing it as the as proof of the existence of alien life. I'm not sure that it really oh, wow. constitutes proof, yeah, but it is definitely an alien organism of some sort. Okay, some people are, of course, disputing that it is alien, but one of the uh, things that the article mentions is that this particular biological entity uh, shows up on their on their uh, or on their you know collection of samples that they pick up there, like way way high up in the stratosphere, and it shows up completely pristine clean it, it doesn't have any other sort of uh earthbound particles of dust or anything like that um somehow uh, polluting it right so it just basically shows up in pristine condition which makes them think that it comes from from space what's really cool also brandy is that the article gets a little bit into uh research that's currently being done by a spacecraft called the rosetta probe that was sent to uh analyze a comet comet 67p anyway the comet uh, exhibits some some of the uh, traits that they're hypothesizing that comets in general have, which is uh, an organic sort of crust. Okay. And uh, that they contain uh, um, biological entities as well, that they may actually be seeded with life. Of course, that's one of the theories that I've heard in the last few years is that comets actually, you know, could be the, the things that seed life throughout the galaxy. Or right. Whatnot. They're just like giant sperms flying through <laughs> Essentially, the, the cosmos yeah. and crashing into worlds and giving birth. Yeah, so uh, yeah, one of the that. things that they mention here real quick in the article is uh, that they were uh, puzzled to see that this comet has a uh, sort of an atmosphere of oxygen. So it's got oxygen, which of course uh, indicates uh, uh, predisposition for life, I guess, mm-hmm. or, or the conditions for life to arise. Right. And this one's got like a black organic crust that makes it very kind of, al- it's, it almost sounds like an alien thing. Yeah. By itself. Wow. But it's, yeah, the the discoveries that they're making are really exciting in this regard. I guess it's just a matter of time then till it uh, moves from being this microscopic entity. So the the one that you were talking about that they pulled down from the balloon, was it? Mm-hmm. Um, so they're, they've ruled it out completely as a, as a microbe that's found anywhere on earth? No, they haven't, but it is unique. Uh, so there is really nothing like it. And what some scientists uh, theorize is that it could have gotten way, way up there by just a means of um, physical propulsion, but basically that it is an earthbound organism that just got way up there. Right. And uh, some of the scientists believe that that's not the case because it's too large. 
And also, you know, the other fact that I mentioned that it shows up in almost pristine condition by itself. Gotcha. So, yeah. It could There's no be, other dust or uh, organic earth elements mixed in with it, essentially, is what you mean. Right, right. So uh, from that uh, regard alone, you know, I, I don't think that it's unequivocal proof of alien life, but it's a very compelling piece of evidence for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, guys, we're on the eternal quest for uh, extraterrestrial life. For now, we'll settle for a microbe. Uh, who knows what comes on next week's episode or tomorrow's episode? <laughs> well, cool. That's a that's a cool piece of news, and that's actually a cool um, a cool website I've checked out a few times as well. Earth We Are One. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, yeah, you guys might want to go check that out. Yeah, what is really cool, Brent, is that I do definitely get the sense that any day now we could hear uh, about some major breakthrough. Of course, you know we really are hearing about. Um, you could say minor I mean, earth-like planets and all these things you know most re- yeah re- not too long ago with the with the star system that looks like there's something some artificial structure uh you know in the way of the light that's coming through and yeah exactly. it's just a matter of time <laughs> mm-hmm. well moving right along here uh i would like to move into the positive pondering breakdown of the day My positive pondering of the day is by a well-known chap who goes by the name Siddhartha, a.k.a. Buddha. And Oh, yeah, that fella. You've heard of him. Very simple but profound uh, positive pondering of the day is the root of suffering is attachment. And I wanted to use this quote today and discuss it a little bit in the breakdown. Uh, actually, because we're going to share uh, some uh, some a conversation by a spiritual teacher, Eckhart Tolle, uh, in a few minutes that talks about the pain body and suffering and so forth. And, you know, it, when the Buddha is saying the root of suffering is attachment, I think it's it's so simple and so profound. If you think about it, any type of suffering that you've ever experienced comes to your attachment to the way you feel things need to be or should be. And if you can move into a place where there is no need for anything to be, rather what I strive to do, and I'm not always successful, of course, but uh, I strive to really bring a perspective to my awareness that I'm an eternal being that's always been and always will be. Change is guaranteed. And when you can really adopt that, what else matters? If you don't like something, well, good news is change is guaranteed. If you, you know, when you think in terms of eternity and always being, you're going to change form and never truly die. Um, why are we attached to needing anything? Your, your survival is guaranteed. So if you can just relax into your life and stop, uh, you know, your, your pain is directly proportional to your attachment. And if you can remove the idea of being attached to needing anything to happen, uh, then you can remove uh, much of the suffering that's happening in your life. So uh, I think, that, you know, of course, this is much easier said than done for all of us, but uh, it is the goal. And, you know, if you can just let go and learn to relax about 
what you think needs to happen or, you know, life's what happens when your plans don't work out. And so often we're so attached to how we think things should be. The future is never going to come like you think it should. Uh, the past isn't really how you perceive it either. You're, you're skewing it through your own lens. <laughs> if you can just move into the, the eternal moment of the now and have no attachment to what is or isn't happening, this is where you can be at peace and and you may not even prefer what's happening you may not like it you may not love it but you can be at peace with it and i think that's the big the the that is the goal is to be at peace with what is no matter what it what it is that's happening and know that if it's something that you don't like it's destined to change just like all things are destined to change and by doing this and adopting this perspective, it is the easiest way to avoid suffering, uh, detachment, a healthy level of detachment. So what I want to talk about, uh, and the reason I chose this particular quote for the day, is uh, one of our favorite, I know my favorite and your favorite, uh, we've talked about many times, Dalian, uh, spiritual teachers, Eckhart Tolle, talks a lot about the pain body. Uh, and I know you've read some of his books and The Power of Now is the you know very well-known book that I highly recommend any of our listeners out there to check out um, where he talks a lot about the pain body. Uh, maybe, uh, Dalian, you want to take a moment and explain what your uh, understanding of the pain body is uh, per your readings? Sure. Um, let's see. I will give you my, my personal take on it. Essentially, the pain body is a collection of of your all your painful memories and all your painful uh, sort of conclusions that come from those memories that may or may not be accurate, really. But it's part of the story you tell yourself about yourself. Uh, so it's the painful part of your story, you could say. Right. Right. And it's been many, many years since I've read his book, and uh, The Power of Now, where he talks a lot about the pain body. And, uh, you know, it's actually something that I should revisit because it is such a profound book and it's one of those books you could probably read five times and get something new every single time out of it but you know he he equates the pain body from my recollection to the 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 ego self you know the part of self that is uh attached speaking of attachment is attached to results that needs to uh it needs to uh, feed itself with negative interaction and negativity in order to really thrive and survive this egoic self that is kind of uh, taken over and is steering the ship oftentimes in people's lives. And really the real you is is beyond that pain body, is the the silent observer behind it, as he refers to, that that is not reacting to anything, that is not attached to anything. And the pain body oftentimes is it needs... Uh, it needs drama even to thrive and survive, and it is used to throwing a fit and this, you know, screaming about injustice and this is done wrong and these people are wrong and they should think more like this. And, you know, it, you get caught in this never-ending cycle of telling a story of what's wrong, and uh, and as a result, you create this, this static in yourself, this blockage to uh, inner peace. And if you can heal and move through and transcend the pain body, then you can move into this state that I think Buddha was talking about, which is, you know, moving beyond uh, the, the the pain body. So um, how this particular segment that I want to actually play is Eckhart Tolle. And I found this particular uh, segment. Uh, I'm not sure what talk he's giving here, but it uh, I found it on a YouTube page uh, from an individual named Lori Anderson. 
And the title is Eckhart Tolle, How to Dissolve the Pain Body. So let's take a listen. The greater part of human pain is unnecessary. It is self-created as long as the unobserved mind runs your life. The pain that you create now is always some form of non-acceptance, some form of unconscious resistance to what is. On the level of thought, the resistance is some form of judgment. On the emotional level, it is some form of negativity. The intensity of the pain depends on the degree of resistance to the present moment, and this in turn depends on how strongly you are identified with your mind. The mind always seeks to deny the now and to escape from it. In other words, the more you are identified with your mind, the more you suffer. Or you may put it like this, the more you are able to honor and accept the now, the more you are free of pain, of suffering, and free of the egoic mind. Some spiritual teachings state that all pain is ultimately an illusion, and this is true. The question is, is it true for you? A mere belief doesn't make it true. Do you want to experience pain for the rest of your life and keep saying that it is an illusion? Does that free you from the pain? What we are concerned with here is how you can realize this truth, that is, make it real in your own experience. Pain is inevitable as long as you are identified with your mind, which is to say, as long as you are unconscious, spiritually speaking. I am talking here primarily of emotional pain, which is also the main cause of physical pain and physical disease. Resentment, hatred, self-pity, guilt, anger, depression, jealousy, and so on, even the slightest irritation, are all forms of pain. And every pleasure or emotional high contains within itself the seed of pain, its inseparable opposite, which will manifest in time. Anybody who has ever taken drugs to get high will know that the high eventually turns into a low, that the pleasure turns into some form of pain. Many people also know from their own experience how easily and quickly an intimate relationship can turn from a source of pleasure to a source of pain. Seen from a higher perspective, both the negative and the positive polarities are faces of the same coin, are part of the underlying pain that is inseparable from the mind-identified egoic state of consciousness. There are two levels to your pain. The pain that you create now, and the pain from the past that still lives on in your mind and body. As long as you are unable to access the power of the now, every emotional pain that you experience leaves behind a residue of pain that lives on in you. It merges with the pain from the past, which was already there, and becomes lodged in your mind and body. This, of course, includes the pain you suffered as a child, caused by the unconsciousness of the world into which you were born. This accumulated pain is a negative energy field that occupies your body and mind. If you look on it as an invisible entity in its own right, you are getting quite close to the truth. It's the emotional pain body. The pain body has two modes of being, dormant and active. It may be dormant 90% of the time. 
In a deeply unhappy person, though, it may be active up to 100% of the time. Some people live almost entirely through their pain body, while others may experience it only in certain situations, such as intimate relationships, or situations linked with past loss or abandonment, physical or emotional hurt, and so on. Anything can trigger it, particularly if it resonates with a pain pattern from your past. When it is ready to awaken from its dormant stage, even a thought or an innocent remark made by someone close to you can activate it. Breaking Identification with the Pain Body The pain body doesn't want you to observe it directly and see it for what it is. The moment you observe the pain body, feel its energy field within you and take your attention into it, the identification is broken. A higher dimension of consciousness has come in. I call it presence. You are now the witness or the watcher of the pain body. This means that it cannot use you anymore by pretending to be you, and it can no longer replenish itself through you. You have found your own innermost strength. Some pain bodies are obnoxious but relatively harmless, for example, like a child who won't stop whining. Others are vicious and destructive monsters, true demons. Some are physically violent, many more are emotionally violent. Some will attack people around you or close to you, while others may attack you, their host. Thoughts and feelings you have about your life then become deeply negative and self-destructive. Illnesses and accidents are often created in this way. Some pain bodies drive their hosts to suicide. When you thought you knew a person, and then you are suddenly confronted with this alien nasty creature for the first time, you are in for quite a shock. It is more important, however, to observe it in yourself than in someone else. Watch out for any sign of unhappiness in yourself, in whatever form. It may be the awakening pain body. This can take the form of irritation, impatience, a somber mood, a desire to hurt, anger, rage, depression, a need to have some drama in your relationship, and so on. Catch it the moment it awakens from its dormant state. The pain body wants to survive, just like every other entity in existence, and it can only survive if it gets you to unconsciously identify with it. It can then rise up, take you over, become you and live through you. It needs to get its food through you. It will feed on any experience that resonates with its own kind of energy, anything that creates further pain in whatever form. Anger, destructiveness, hatred, grief, emotional drama, violence and even illness. So the pain body, when it has taken you over, will create a situation in your life that reflects back its own energy frequency for it to feed on. Pain can only feed on pain. Pain cannot feed on joy. It finds it quite indigestible. Once the pain body has taken you over, you want more pain. You become a victim or a perpetrator. You want to inflict pain or you want to suffer pain or both. There isn't really much difference between the two. 
You are not conscious of this, of course, and will vehemently claim that you do not want pain. But look closely and you will find that your thinking and behavior are designed to keep the pain going, for yourself and others. If you were truly conscious of it, the pattern would dissolve, for to want more pain is insanity, and nobody is consciously insane. The pain body, which is the dark shadow cast by the ego, is actually afraid of the light of your consciousness. It is afraid of being found out. Its survival depends on your unconscious identification with it, as well as on your unconscious fear of facing the pain that lives in you. But if you don't face it, if you don't bring the light of your consciousness into the pain, you will be forced to relive it again and again. The pain body may seem to you like a dangerous monster that you cannot bear to look at, but I assure you that it is an insubstantial phantom that cannot prevail against the power of your presence. When you become the watcher and start to disidentify, the pain body will continue to operate for a while and will try to trick you into identifying with it again. Although you are no longer energizing it through your identification, it has a certain momentum, just like a spinning wheel that will keep turning for a while even when it is no longer being propelled. At this stage, it may also create physical aches and pains in different parts of the body, but they won't last. Stay present, stay conscious. Be the ever-alert guardian of your inner space. You need to be present enough to be able to watch the pain body directly and feel its energy. It then cannot control your thinking. The moment your thinking is aligned with the energy field of the pain body, you are identified with it and again feeding it with your thoughts. For example, if anger is the predominant energy vibration of the pain body and you think angry thoughts, dwelling on what someone did to you or what you are going to do to him or her, then you have become unconscious and the pain body has become you. Where there's anger, there's always pain underneath. Or when a dark mood comes upon you and you start getting into a negative mind pattern and thinking how dreadful your life is, your thinking has become aligned with the pain body and you have become unconscious and vulnerable to the pain body's attack. Unconscious, the way that I use the word here, means to be identified with some mental or emotional pattern. It implies a complete absence of the watcher. Transmuting suffering into consciousness. Sustained conscious attention severs the link between the pain body and your thought processes and brings about the process of transmutation. It is as if the pain becomes fuel for the flame of your consciousness, which then burns more brightly as a result. This is the esoteric meaning of the ancient art of alchemy, the transmutation of base metal into gold, of suffering into consciousness. The split within is healed, and you become whole again. Your responsibility, then, is not to create further pain. Focus attention on the feeling inside you. Know that it is the pain body. Accept that it is there. Don't think about it. Don't let the feeling turn into thinking. Don't judge or analyze. Don't make an identity for yourself out of it. 
stay present and continue to be the observer of what is happening inside you. Become aware not only of the emotional pain, but also of the one who observes, the silent watcher. This is the power of the now, the power of your own conscious presence. Then see what happens. Ego identification with the pain body. The process that I have just described is profoundly powerful yet simple. It could be taught to a child, and hopefully one day it will be one of the first things children learn in school. Once you have understood the basic principle of being present as the watcher of what happens inside you, and you understand it by experiencing it, you have at your disposal the most potent transformational tool. This is not to deny that you may encounter intense inner resistance to disidentifying from your pain. This will be the case particularly if you have lived closely identified with your emotional pain body for most of your life and the whole or large part of your sense of self is invested in it. What this means is that you have made an unhappy self out of your pain body and believe that this mind-made fiction is who you are. In that case, unconscious fear of losing your identity will create strong resistance to any disidentification. In other words, you would rather be in pain, be the pain body, than take a leap into the unknown and risk losing the familiar, unhappy self. Observe the resistance within yourself. Observe the attachment to your pain. Be very alert. Observe the peculiar pleasure you derive from being unhappy. Observe the compulsion to talk or think about it. The resistance will cease if you make it conscious. You can then take your attention into the pain body, stay present as the witness, and so initiate its transmutation. Only you can do this. Nobody can do it for you. But if you are fortunate enough to find someone who is intensely conscious, if you can be with them and join them in the state of presence that can be helpful and will accelerate things. In this way, your own light will quickly grow stronger. When a log that has only just started to burn is placed next to one that is burning fiercely, and after a while they are separated again, the first log will be burning with much greater intensity. After all, it is the same fire. To be such a fire is one of the functions of a spiritual teacher. Some therapists may also be able to fulfill that function, provided that they have gone beyond the level of mind and can create and sustain a state of intense conscious presence while they are working with you. The first thing to remember is this. As long as you make an identity for yourself out of the pain, you cannot become free of it. As long as part of your sense of self is invested in your emotional pain, you will unconsciously resist or sabotage every attempt that you make to heal that pain. Why? Quite simply because you want to keep yourself intact, and the pain has become an essential part of you. This is an unconscious process, and the only way to overcome it is to make it conscious. The power of your presence. 
to suddenly see that you are or have been attached to your pain can be quite a shocking realization. The moment you realize this, you have broken the attachment. The pain body is an energy field, almost like an entity that has become temporarily lodged in your inner space. It is life energy that has become trapped, energy that is no longer flowing. Of course, the pain body is there because of certain things that happened in the past. It is the living past in you, and if you identify with it, you identify with the past. A victim identity is the belief that the past is more powerful than the present, which is the opposite of the truth. It is the belief that other people and what they did to you are responsible for who you are now, for your emotional pain or your inability to be a true self. The truth is that the only power there is, is contained within this moment. It is the power of your presence. Once you know that, you also realize that you are responsible for your inner space now. Nobody else is and that the past cannot prevail against the power of the now. Unconsciousness creates it, consciousness transmutes it into itself. St. Paul expressed this universal principle beautifully. Everything is shown up by being exposed to the light, and whatever is exposed to the light itself becomes light. Just as you cannot fight the darkness, you cannot fight the pain body. Trying to do so would create inner conflict and thus further pain. Watching it is enough. Watching it implies accepting it as part of what is at that moment. All right, that was Eckhart Tolle on how to dissolve the pain body. And I believe that after listening to it again, Dalian, is do you recognize that that might actually be from an excerpt from the audiobook, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's from the power of now. Yeah, okay. I was not sure at first, but after listening to it again, I uh yeah, it's been a while since I've read the book. So yeah, that's a such an insightful and uh, relevant to uh, you know, the quote of the day. The, the idea of being present and the power of being aware of this pain body being this almost like another part of self of, that needs to be transmuted by, you know, bringing awareness to it. First of all, when you stop relating to the idea that this pain body is actually you, you know, you're a, you're a multidimensional, multifaceted being, and this is just a part of you, um, in a part of, you know, self that needs to be, as uh, Eckhart Tolle talks about transmuted, you know, the pain transmuted into consciousness and awareness. And when you can understand what's going on and that you don't need to identify with this pain anymore or feed it or continue to feed it. And every time in the moment, the, the present, you are giving energy towards anger or fear or anything painful, you're just feeding and solidifying this part of yourself that really needs to be healed. Yeah, it's a little bit like you were saying uh, earlier about attachment. And of course, I think that there's a lot of, you could say, Zen or Buddhist philosophy in what Eckhart Tolle um, teaches and talks about, of course. But um, there is, <clears throat> excuse me, definitely a sense of uh, trying to break the uh, very strong uh, at times and definitely automatic uh, bond between 
who we think that we are and, and all the things that we desire, including um, circumstances, you know, how we want um, or we may want a particular job or perhaps the uh, respect and adoration of our peers. We may want uh, only the money and maybe don't care about other things. But in any case, all of these different, uh, and, and I've heard someone refer to them as addictions before, all these attachments can, of course, easily become addictions. And uh, part of the dynamic there is that you're identifying with them. So you're projecting, you're reaching out for things outside of yourself, other people, things, or situations, and you're saying, I need this in order to be happy, or I don't want that, you know, the, right. the opposite of that. But Eckhart Tolle has been really good at... Um, helping to shed light on that and helping to break that um, identification process so you don't make things into, you know, a personal story, into a self, etc. And uh, one of the things that helped me a lot, it's reminds me of what you were talking about yesterday, how so much of this is just patterns that have become established over time right? that you can break. And part of the way you break them is with conscious awareness, but it, it really is just a pattern where Basically, you reacted in a negative way to something that happened, either because of incomplete information or you just had a quote-unquote wrong perspective. Perhaps it was useful at the time or it was the only possible perspective you could have at the time. But it turns out that it was wrong because your emotions and that pain indicates that there's something about it that's flawed, right? Right. And part of the problem is that when you burn yourself like on a candle flame for example you immediately it's your reaction to just take your hand off you don't think about it but what happens is with so many of these emotional and mental patterns they become established and at no point do you ever question oh hey maybe the pain is an indication that there's something wrong here you just believe it and so you begin to live it and, and you you know make it into a part of yourself right but the pain should be a clue that it's there's something about that that's not who you really are right right and I love the idea, and I believe this is an idea that he talks about in the rest of that book. And once again, we recommend checking it out. That's just an excerpt from the book. But, um, you know, when you realize that in, uh, in each moment, everything is okay. If you take any trial or tribulation, most of your anxiety comes from these thoughts of the future showing up in a way that is somehow intimidating or fear, fearful or focusing on negative, you know, pain, pain body creation events from your past. You're, you're lost in the past or lost in the future in a negative way, but really you only ever have the now. It is called the present for a reason. <laughs> it's a present. And in the now, you've always been okay. Whatever you've had to deal with. If you look at right now, as you're listening to this, you, you may be able to think of all kinds of things that would cause you fear or anxiety or remorse from the past or pain in either direction, past or future. But if you just snap your awareness into this now, right now, as you hear my words, everything is okay. You have so much to be grateful for. You're alive. You're, you're, you know, you may be dealing with something that's difficult in your immediate, you know, right in front of you, but you've always gotten through whatever those things are. You've always been able to, you've always been okay in the now. It may have not always been easy, but it's always been manageable and that will never stop. You will always be okay in the now. You will always, and, and you're, you're going to have an eternal, uh, 
allotment of these different nows, and you're always going to be okay in these nows. And I think that is the most important perspective to start. Get used to it. You're going to be at this a while. You've got an eternity of of nows ahead of you, and they're all going to be okay. They may be challenging. They may be blissful. They may be you know, everything in between you're going to experience, but it's always going to be okay. And it's always going to change and relax into it and, and stop projecting, you know, I think it's the biggest thing. Stop projecting and creating the future nows to be, uh, undesirable by, you know, putting all this fear and negative expectation into it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and feeding into the, the past, you know, pain, the painful situations that really were only there as, as tools to give you the opportunity to transmute those, you know, that pain body stuff and transmute it into light, into consciousness, as Eckhart Tolle talks about. Yeah, that's absolutely true, Brandon. And since you asked me earlier, I would have to add, um, as Eckhart very very eloquently explains, and he gives you many different perspectives and reasons why this is so, but the pain body really does depend um, almost exclusively on the past. The pain body feeds on the past. It's its very existence just completely hinges on it. Without past, there is no pain body. I think that's one thing he says. One other thing he does mention is something that's pretty interesting, how people... And uh, he gives like a couple of accounts on in the book, but I think maybe some of our listeners even know of stories like this from their own life or they've heard of it, how sometimes you find yourself in a very critical, very stressful, traumatic situation and something happens, something sort of, uh, I don't know, snaps inside you, but the sense of overwhelming calm pervades everything. Yeah, And it's all of a sudden as if time stood still, all of a sudden everything's just like filled with this clarity and, you know, the situation itself may be very chaotic, like, a, you know, something crazy. Like, uh, of course, we just had these um, terror attacks in, in Paris. Right. Um, but, um, yeah, there's been instances of people who were in, in the middle of something like that, and they instantly didn't have any thought of, oh, my God, you know, I got to, like, hide and fear for my life. They were thinking sort of clearly, you could say, right? right. They were like – Moment of clarity, yeah. Yeah, moving quickly, getting others out of harm's way. With no thought for, you know, nothing, no, no thought that would paralyze them. Fear, yeah. Mm-hmm. Without fear, just just allowing, kind of being the calm in the center of the storm, as, we, you know, we've talked about before. Mm-hmm. And it is possible to achieve that state. You just have to let go of that mental chatter. If you can break that uh, pattern for, you know, a split second. Yep. The root of suffering is attachment. Become detached in a good way. All right, everyone. Well, uh, that we've, we're getting up there in time. so. Uh, thank you all for tuning in. Uh, of course, uh, if you get a chance, please give us a review on iTunes. We would certainly appreciate that. And more importantly, you know, our whole mission with this podcast is to spread the positivity. And we, our, our aim, our intention, our sincere, heartfelt intention is to um, bring you know some light into anyone who's listening's life, and hopefully to to make a difference, uh, whether small or big or in between. And uh, if we've done that in any way, we're grateful to have that opportunity, and we hope that you'll help us to to continue that mission by spreading the positivity. And you know, even if it's just telling a single friend, uh, "Hey, you should check this out." Um, that would be really great if you would do that. Uh, we certainly appreciate. You know, there's been a lot of people that have been sharing and giving us reviews and all those things and it it means a lot so um please help us to spread the positivity tell a friend about the positive head podcast of course send in any questions that you have 
We'd love to get questions, comments, smart remarks. <laughs> uh, we, we love it whenever uh, we have the opportunity to interact with you guys. And uh, so please uh, interact. Send us a question. Uh, in, in perhaps if, you know, if it's a, something that makes sense on the show, we'll address it and, and give our best shot at answering it. So otherwise, thank you once again for tuning your beautiful brainwaves into another episode of the Positive Head Podcast. Until next time, remember... As long as you ain't dead, you're already positive ahead. Be well, everyone.